We're in this series called How to Spend a Year. And um, just a mini-series to talk about looking forward. And last week in, in uh, December, I did a sermon called How to Look Back on a Year. And then we started this series to say, how do we spend a year? And Art did a great job last, as I, as I talked about already earlier in the service, last year, last week, talking about we spend a year in, in uh, investing in service to our king change our paradigm and we invest in service to our king. And this week I want to talk about we spend a year putting our spiritual house in order. We, put a, we spend a year putting our spiritual house in order. That's one of the things you do is you look forward into the next season of time. Like, what do, how, do I, how do I live? What am I going to do this year? I want to say we're going to put our spiritual house in order. That's what we're going to do. And as I thought about the concept and I thought about the things I wanted to communicate to you, this phrase came to mind, you know, put your house in order. <laughs> Honestly, frankly, I didn't know. It's in the Bible. I googled it and found it in the Bible, and I'm not going to preach on that text, but it's a really interesting text. It's where the prophet Isaiah is speaking to one of the kings of Judah, Hezekiah, and, the, and Hezekiah is sick, and he's on his, on his bed. He's got a fever, and, and the prophet comes to him and says, oh, I got a word from the Lord. You're going to die. <laughs> that was his word. You're not going to recover. You're going to die. So put your house in order. Figure out what it is that you need to be about in this short time that you have left. And it did, and it caused Hezekiah to turn his face to the Lord, the Scripture says, and he was going to figure out what's most important to him in this time that he had left. And it turns out once he did that, the Lord's like, those are some good things, and so I'm going to give you 15 more years. And then he got to serve God. So if the Lord whispers to you, you're going to die, you might have 15 more years. I don't know. I don't know what the moral of that story is. I'm not preaching on this text. But put your house in order has come to mean sort of that in our, in our way of thinking. It's come to mean put, put the internal stuff in all the right places. Make investments in your own infrastructure, if you will. Come and do the work on the internal part of you so that it is in order so that you may live out the person that you long to be. Put your house in order so that from that, you're able to live out your destiny, live out who you long to be, live out who you were created to be, because that's going to come, friends, from your house being in order, from your internal spiritual work, your internal life being in order. What comes, uh, what, if that's in order, then what comes out is going to be what you long for it to be. We have this sort of infamous story in our family life where we went uh, on vacation. And I don't know if, if you're like this, if any of you men are like this as dads, but you kind of, you, you have your vacation plan and you think this is going to be beautiful and it's going to be epic and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this dad to my kids and we're going to go somewhere fun, there's going to be joy and I'm going to be this loving dad and I'm going to be present and where it's going to be delightful time. But, but the stress leading up to it, all the work you have to do at your job to try to get ready to go and then you finally get off and uh, uh, onto the plan of getting ready and you're packing the car and the kids are crying and then you get them in the car and then there's on the road, you got diaper changes and you, you've got, you stop into McDonald's and already, you know, mom's done the don't make me come back there thing to the kids and we had four kids and so it just was, you know, riling up and by the time, you know, you, you're, you're two hours into this road trip and you were like, I'm wanting to be this this incredible, leaving this legacy of spending time, by the end, like two hours into it, you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't like my kids. I don't, I don't like me. I don't like vacation. I want to go to work. 
But this, oh, what I was going to be, you know, it just, I didn't have it. I didn't have it in me. And we ended up going to Sea Ranch and renting a house up there on the coast. And I was already super sensitive, I think, because we had this test, you know, ten, tension-filled time getting there. And, 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 I, and, I, and I lied to the, to the rental company and told them we didn't have any kids because I wanted that house. Uh, I know, don't judge me. Seriously, it was an awesome house and I wanted to be there. And and we were there like 20 minutes before Tommy, who was a toddler, uh, took a pencil and poked holes in all the screen windows. And I had to tell them that Linda did it. And, um, <laughs> but I remember just wanting to this time to be this extension of who I was going to be and what I brought to my family and what life was all about. And I just didn't have it in me. You know what I mean? And finally, somebody was whining, something happened, and there's this infamous story where I completely had a meltdown. I had a two-year-old fit meltdown. I was yelling at the kids, and I remember, all I remember about it, the only real part I remember is that I had a cereal box in my hand, and I tossed it across the, the room, and it did this thing, and it landed on the table and stuck the landing, like boom. And all the kids were like, <laughs> they wanted to laugh, but they knew that it was a tense moment. And Linda looks over at me and goes, you got to figure out what's going on inside there and go deal with it. Like, you maybe need a timeout. And so it was a family vacation where I got the first timeout out of anybody. Because I had to go in and do the internal work. I had to go in and put my spiritual house in order because who I wanted to be and the destiny that I wanted to live out and the longing to be a man of God that I wanted to give to my family and give to the world, I didn't possess it. It wasn't in order, and so I couldn't live it out. Scripture is full of the concept that what is inside of us will come out of us. What we invest inside of us will have dividends by being then the man of God, the woman of God, the destiny, the longing, the epic life that we want to live has to come from doing that internal work. You know, there's a, uh, here's a verse uh, uh, from Proverbs chapter 4. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Whatever, your whole life is going to come out of what's happening in your internal spiritual life and journey. Matthew 12, Jesus said this in Matthew 12, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, but an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And he went on to say, A good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It comes from within you. Whatever you have stored up within you, whatever you store in your heart will dictate the way you live life and how your life goes. What is in you will be what comes out of you. So I want to take a look at how we spend a year putting our spiritual house in order so that we might then live this kind of life out, live out the longings that we have to be God's people and to live these kinds of lives. So how is it that we spend a year putting our spiritual house in order? Two quick asides before I get to, to the, the points I want to make. One, uh, as an aside, again, this is going to require investment, not just spending. This is going to require an investment. Investment is a really good word because uh, it, it, these are going to be difficult investments. Your internal work, your infrastructure work, those are difficult. And they're difficult because they don't feel good in the moment and they don't produce results right away. Those are dis so they're going to require discipline. These, this way to spend a year, this kind of investment, they're not easy because they don't feel good. And they're not easy because you don't see 
immediate results. So I'm good. we're going to talk about some hard disciplines, friends. Because when it comes down to putting your spiritual house in order, there's just no easy way around doing the hard work. You know what hard work feels like, don't you? You don't feel it right away when you're not getting the benefits right away. You put your head down, you work hard because you know it's the right thing to do. That's one aside. It's going to be hard. But secondly, I kind of want to say these disciplines... They're also not like cod liver oil type discipline. Do you know, did any of you old enough to remember cod liver oil? You know what that is? Nobody even knew what this was. It was a way of living in middle America 50 years ago that you would grow up and, you know, every day your mom would line up the kids and give you cod liver oil because it was supposed to do something good for you, but it was the worst tasting thing in the world. I, I defy anybody to tell me exactly what cod liver oil did to anyone, but it was just sort of this, life's hard, you take your cod liver oil, it's terrible, and that's just how it is. Some of us live cod liver oil Christian journeys where we just like, oh, we do stuff that we hate and it's Christianity and that's God, he's mean and, and life's terrible and you just do it. That, it's not that way. We may be talking about disciplines that are hard because getting our spiritual life in order is hard. It doesn't pay off right away. Those are difficult investments to make. But it's not like cod liver oil. Like there's no good reason for it and you know what, just suck it up, you're a Christian, it sucks, I know it. That's not it. God wouldn't do that. You guys, the stuff that God calls us to, the disciplines that God calls us to, they engage with us at the deepest level, at the deepest places. They're like heart disciplines. They're disciplines where our heart longs for something grander, and so we see a way for that to happen. These are disciplines where there's something beautiful and rich, something deep and heroic, something full of adventure and joy. And so we see that out there. So we long to do these things even though they're difficult. If somebody tells you that Christianity is doing stuff you don't like and get over it, you're missing it. God connects to us at the deepest places in our hearts and says, you want to be that man? You want to live this kind of epic, beautiful, adventurous, joyful life? Then, then we're going to do some things and it's you're going to put that in order, that internal life in order, and it's going to be hard. But it connects at least with our heart. You know this. You know that there's some things in your life where you, they're disciplines where you don't see the immediate results. They're not joyful in the moment, but they connect to something deeper in you, and so they're worth it. You know what those are, right? Even the small things in my life. Was it, I don't know if it was first, second gathering or first gathering. Last week, I was up here goofing around at the beginning of the service, and I had Wim Van Dam up here with me. He's the ultra runner. He's the ultra marathon guy in our church, friend of all of ours. And he was up here and I said something like, dude, are you going to train me to do an ultra marathon this year? And he's like, okay, game on. We're going to do it. And I'm like, okay. And we shook hands up here and somebody caught it on, caught a picture of it and put it on Facebook. And so here we go. It's game on. We're going to do ultra. But running is this thing for me where running is not joyful in the moment. Running is all the time. And then running doesn't show immediate results, but, but there's something that's connected to it for me. Wim wrote me this discipline. I mean, this, uh, this text about this discipline. He said, his text said this uh, this week, regarding a training program, finishing an ultra is as much a mental as a physical endeavor. If you hope to finish a 50K or a 50 miler this year, you need to build character. That's not how you talk to your pastor, by the way. (laughs) You need to build character. His text went on, building character, and this is an homage to Romans 5, if you recognize it. He goes, if you're going to hope to finish a 50-miler, you're going to need to build character. 
Building character requires perseverance, and perseverance comes from embracing the suffering that happens during many long training runs. And then he wrote, are you ready to suffer? With a question mark. <laughs> I texted him back, you scare me. <laughs> no, I'm not ready. No, I am, and I'm going to do this, but why? Why? Why would I do that? Because my heart longs for what the benefits of it are. I come from a long line of heart attacks, friends, from early deaths in my family, from a long line of stressed out people and type A personalities. I long for what running brings in my life. I I long for the fact that my weight stays in place, that it keeps me healthy, that I'm going to see my grandbabies and maybe my, but Lord willing, my great grandbabies, that there's peace and there's stress management. There's a a denial of my mood-based living that I only do what I feel like doing because I have a chart and I go out there and suffer for it. I love what it does to my character. There's something in my heart for running. It's deeper, Right? You have disciplines like that in your life. So these are going to be hard, but they're going to be attached to our heart for something grander and more beautiful. So we're going to get our internal house in order, our spiritual house in order. It's going to require some investments. They're going to be hard. It's going to require some discipline. And if they're going to require discipline, then they're going to require a plan. And I love a plan. So in our time remaining, let's talk about a plan to spend a year getting our spiritual house in order. We're going to need a plan. I'm going to give you three areas that I think are really crucial to putting our spiritual house in order. We're going to zoom through them, just take a couple minutes on each one. But I want you to be thinking about maybe there's one of these that becomes a take-home for you. One of these plans becomes something that you're going to be like, I think that's me. I think I'm going to go put a plan in place with regard to that. And maybe it's all three if you're a hotshot, but at least one of them. So that you hear from the Lord and you're like, you know what, I'm going to start to do the work of putting my spiritual house in order this year. Here we go. If we're going to put our house in order, we need, we need a plan to spend a year thinking well. We need a plan to spend the year thinking well. This is about having a God-centered, truth-centered, Bible-informed Christian worldview. You know what I mean by that? Christian worldview? That Christ exists. That the story of the scriptures is what's true. God is. He created us. He wants a relationship with us. We're sinful. Jesus rescues us. We submit our lives to him. He's coming back. All of that stuff informs our world view. We have to spend the year thinking well if our internal life will be um, um, in order. When we don't have God's rock-solid truth, when we don't have the truth about who God is, we think crazy. When we don't have the truth about who we are, we think crazy. When we don't have the truth about the way the world works, we think crazy thoughts. So God has called us to be in his word, and it centers us on how to live. It orients us. Psalm 119 is all about God's word. These verses, look at these verses. How can a young man keep, well, how can a young man stay on the path of purity? My version used to say, how can a young man keep his way pure? What's the answer? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Do you hear the heart, the longing, the desire to be infused with God's truth, with God's word? Repeat verse 11. Look at verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I've taken your word, God, and I've put it in me. I'm thinking well. I know what the truth is so that I won't live contrary to what you have for me, so I won't sin against you. We need a plan to spend the year thinking well, having God's word put in us. And then we can take all of the stuff that we inevitably fall to believing about the way life works, the way God is, like I'm not good enough to be in a relationship with God, or God is far away from us, or it doesn't matter how you live, or what's wrong with treating somebody like this, or all of those things that start to happen to us, we can correct our thinking either with a just reminders of the truth, or a total sometimes overhaul of our worldview so that we think according to the truth as it's revealed about who God is, about who we are, and about how life works. We have to be steeped in God's truth. We need a plan to spend the year thinking well. What would our plan be? What would our plan be? Here could be a plan, you guys. Here would be a plan. What, what about spending what about spending this year having a plan, getting inside God's Word every day in your life? Just getting inside your Bible every day. Just saying, I can do that, 365 days, and if I skip a day, I'll jump in and do it again. Like, getting in God's Word. Now, some of you are like, oh, I do that. I've got this Bible app, and I read through the Bible in a year. Okay, you know what? I release you from doing that. Do not read the Bible through this year. It's too much. It's so long. You're like, I'm a red hot. I can do it. It's 45 minutes of straight reading. I know. And then you don't get anything out of it. I know. It's so hard. Maybe that's you, and you want to do that. Okay. But I want you to think well, not just have gone through the pages. You, you with me? So maybe, maybe you take a book like Philippians, or something like that. And you go word by word, phrase by phrase, with a little notebook, or just use your old, old school paper, paper Bible even, or, or one of those apps that has you make notes on it, and just go line by line. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the church in Philippi, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Like that, that's like three weeks right there. It's so good. It's so full of stuff. You'd be like, Paul, who's Paul? Can I do a book report on Paul? Do I even know who Paul is? Then you start Googling Paul. Then you start looking at all the things that Paul did, all the other, why did he say this? Who's Philippi? What was going on in that church? Grace and peace. Why did he say that in all his letters? You start thinking about the concepts of grace. It brings you to other parts in your Bible. It's so rich. You could spend three weeks in just two or, two or three verses. Or maybe you just do a verse a day and you can get through Philippians in something like, um, I don't know, I think like 60 days or something. It'd be so fun. Every day, be in God's Word. Do you have a plan to be in God's Word every day? We need a plan to spend the year thinking well. Maybe that would work for you. Two, we need a plan to spend the year engaging well. We need a plan to spend the year engaging well. What I mean by this is engaging with God. I love the word engaging because it's sort of this active connection. We're talking about having our heart connect with God Himself. See, the alternative to that is to go through the motions of some sort of a religious life or some sort of a Christian ease life, some sort of a Christian-y experience. Jesus, he was so full of grace. He took people who were so full of sin and they loved it being in his presence because he had so much grace for them. But who really made him mad were the people that he called hypocrites because those were people who had all the externals but didn't have any intention of actually connecting with God. Look at this verse in Matthew 15. There's tons of verses like this that, um, 
kind of give this sense of Jesus' heart here. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Isaiah spoke from the Lord, and this is what he had said to those people, and Jesus was saying it applies to these people now. This is, he goes, you hypocrites, this is what, what's right about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are what? Far away. They're far from me. Their hearts are not engaged with me. So they worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. There's no connection with God himself. There's no engaging with God himself. It's people doing religion. A bunch of rules, a bunch of worships, boom, boom, do the steps, but we're not engaging with God. You guys, if we're going to get our spiritual um, house in order, we need a plan to engage well with him, to be interacting with the very real God. There's nothing that is going to sustain you if you don't have the true God showing up in your life. There's no religion. We got nothing to offer, really. I mean, the Seahawks are on. Wouldn't you rather be there right now? If God's not in this room, we have nothing to offer you. So what is going to be our plan to spend the year engaging well, engaging with God? Jesus said, when people say all the right things and they sing all the right songs and they follow all the, all the right rules, but they keep their hearts far away from him. See, there's the heart thing again. He goes, you're missing it. So how do we connect with God, engage with God. We know what it feels like to be unengaged with God. We do that all the time. We come to church and it's hard to listen. Hey, I understand. This is a very difficult uh, didactic situation. It's the worst for you to try to get something out of it. I understand that. Or you sing songs and you're like, I don't even know what I just sang. I just, I was checked out for a minute. I was thinking about the football game or work or whatever. I'm just, and you know, you can just go through, all of a sudden you go through the motions, right? Have you read your Bible and gone three or four pages and then thought, I have no idea what I just read, right? Because you were somewhere else in your mind? We do that all the time. It's part of the human condition. And so we need a plan to spend this year sort of coming against that and engaging well with a discipline that causes us to, to do that intentionally. I have this story of me falling asleep in a prayer meeting one time. And it was so awesome because, you know what, okay, so people are tired, like everybody understands that. And it would have been so great if I just said, oh, geez, I just fell asleep, I'm so sorry. Like, that would have been okay if I'd handled it like that, but instead I wanted to look like I was more religious. And so what happened was, is I was asleep and I sensed this silence in the room. We were praying around a big circle with a bunch of guys and I sensed this silence in the room and I'm like, I was just asleep. It's silent. It must be my time. Oh, dear Jesus, we just come to you. And I saw, I heard all this noise and I kind of opened my eyes and looked and the guys were like, what are you doing? And I guess somebody else was praying and there was just a second of silence, but I woke up in that moment (laughs) and started praying out loud like I didn't admit that I had been asleep and everybody's like, you're such a loser. Just, we can live so detached from God. So what would be our plan to invest a year, to invest in spending a year engaging well with God, engaging with God? Maybe friends are having a quiet time every day and just making sure that you stop and you sit in God's presence. I, here's a plan, though, that I'd love to challenge you about. What about this one? What if you said, when you come to church on Sundays, that you will choose consciously to engage in everything that happens in this hour and 15 minutes together or hour and 20 today. That you would engage in everything. Do you know that everything that we do here from the very beginning, the very moment this, th- this clock starts ticking to the moment we send you out of here 
It's theologically thought through. It's strategically thought through. It's planned. You understand we have a plan here, right? There's, there's, a, there's stuff that we do to bring you into the presence of God or to help facilitate that. So what if you chose to see how you could engage with the very presence of God in this room through every single moment of that gathering, every single part of it? So then when we're singing, you're actually seeing the words and saying them and then talking to God and going, breathing in your grace. It hit, oh God, yeah, it is. It's like, it's like my breath. It's like your grace is like oxygen. I mean, like it's there. Like I, like I breathe it in. God, you're so good to me. And I'm breathing out praise. God, just like my exhaling breath, everything within me wants to praise you, God. Or then we're saying things like, God, I, 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 I don't even know that I'm believing all this stuff. And I feel like a hypocrite when I sing some of these things, but make it true in my life. That's how you can engage song after song. And then we come to do our offering time. And do you really think that the Lord's there? Or we come to communion once a month and do you really believe the Lord's there and he receives your gifts and he meets you at the table and you say, Lord, here's my offering of praise. Do you recognize him in that room? When we go like this, God, pour out from heaven. Can you, can you picture God actually coming and speaking to you? And then when we're in the word, that you're, you're focused and attentive and when you lose it, you come back. Come, hello, come back. <laughs> You lose it and you come back and you go, what do you have for me, God? And then when you leave church, you don't say, how was church? How was the performance at church? You say, God, how did I engage with you? What about that as one of the plans to engage with, uh, uh, spend a year engaging well? If we're going to put our house in order, we're going to need a plan to think, uh, spend a year thinking well. We're going to need a plan to uh, uh, spend a year gauging well. And we're going to need a plan to spend a year spending well. That's my last point, spending well. We're going to need to spend a year, a plan to spend a year spending well. What? Money? Yes. I couldn't get away from thinking about putting our spiritual house in order and looking at the teachings of Jesus about this concept of putting our spiritual house in order so that from it, everything comes out, the life we want to live comes out. I couldn't get away when thinking this way. I couldn't get away from money. Because it's all part of Jesus' teaching. It's fascinating that money was in there. When Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, which is about a true relationship with God, not religion, Jesus taught about money in a big way. You know this person in in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin um, destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not break in and steal, where thieves not break in and steal, sorry, but for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, Why would Jesus talk about treasure and money and possessions as part of true religion? Because the fact is, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, Money can end up becoming our master, Jesus said. He went on in verse 24 of that text, that chapter, to say, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, Jesus said. He makes the contrast. It's not like belief and unbelief or God and nothing. It's God and money. Because it isn't really about money, friends. Nobody really loves money. We don't really worship money. We love what money buys, ready? Which is a false sense of security. Now you see why it's a religious issue? 
and why to get our spiritual house in order so that from inside we live this life that we want to live, that money becomes an issue for us. It has to be dealt with. Money becomes our master inadvertently because of our fears. Fears that God won't take care of us. Fears that I'm going to be uncomfortable and I won't be able to handle it. Here's a fear. Fear that if I stop feeding my flesh with all the new and shiny things and experiences that money provides for me, if I stop that, I may recognize how empty my soul is and that God isn't enough for me. Money, we, we become devoted to money because it's, it, it's out of our fears. This is why we tithe. This is why we in the church tithe. Because tithing is saying, God, this is yours, all that I have, my whole life, everything you have provided for me. And so I'm bringing my tithe here. It's about trusting in you. I'm facing my fears. I'm proclaiming the truth by this step of faith. Here is my money. And of course, tithing is only a part of our money, but we give it as a symbol of that. We give it as a, a, an, an investment, if you will. Tithing is a spiritual discipline. Because it disciplines us, it forces the issue for us to ask the question and to make, take a stand. Money's not my master. My life comes from God. I trust in God. That is at the root of an ordered spiritual house. I trust in God. And everything he gives me is from him. And I give my whole life back to him, including this tithe. And so it's a spiritual component. So we get our house in order by putting money in its rightful place, by putting possessions in its rightful place. Listen, by putting trust in its rightful place. Did you hear that? It's not even about money. It's about do we live submitted and trusting in God, our King, our Savior, our Lord. So what would be a plan to spend a year spending well? It surprises me how many people do not have a budget. I think you should budget. That might be a plan for you, that you budget. Because then when you budget, you're saying before the Lord, this is how much money needs to go to this in my life. This is how much money needs to go to this in my life under your Lordship Jesus. This is how much money needs to go to this in my life. This is how much money I'm going to give away as a spiritual discipline that money doesn't control me and that I'm invested in your kingdom. Maybe you need a budget because you've never budgeted before. And then you'll see some of the, this is how much money I need to spend in this. And then you sit back and look at it under the, the Lordship of Jesus and the Holy Spirit for a couple months. And you go, do I really spend that much on that thing? I, that's not who I am. And you can change. And if you're already a budgeter, do you at least budget what you give in a conscious way, what you give away as, a, as an offering of worship and submission to the Lord? That's why we tithe. Friends, we don't tithe because we've got to pay the bills. If you come and, and you go, oh, okay, well, this is about money at churches, or they need our money, or they want our money, or we've got to pay salaries. It's all true. It is so 1% of the whole deal. You know what I mean? It's just so, it's such not the issue. But it's about our spiritual house being in order. Isn't that radical? Did you, did you, could you guess that spending well was going to be part of this sermon? I didn't when I started it. If we're going to put our spiritual house in order, we need a plan to to spend a year thinking well, we need a plan to spend a year engaging well, we need a plan to spend a year spending well. Maybe one of those plans 
connects to you and the Spirit is prompting you to do something. Church, above all else, guard your heart. Put your spiritual house in order for everything in life will flow from it. Who you want to be, who you long to be, who God has for you to be will come from that spiritual house being in order. May God give you the grace to make a plan so that you can be that person.